Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discuss Newcastle's exit from the Champions League. How should it be viewed? A plucky return in the group of death or a letdown? We assess whether or not Chelsea women's forward Lauren James is being unfairly singled out. Former England striker Leanne Sanderson gave us her take. As we reach nine days from the Day of Reckoning on December the 23rd, we hear from Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker. Plus, legendary boxing broadcaster Adam Smith joins us in studio. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Newcastle. You've spoken about Eddie Howe in the past, Simon. I'm beginning to think that Kiss of Death article (laughs) last week uh, has really bitten home, hasn't it? It's a proper French kiss, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid it was. Their 20-year wait to be back uh, on the Champions League stage ends with them not just dropping into the Europa League, but dropping out of Europe altogether. Uh, Eddie post-match, yeah, he was feeling it. Yeah, desperately disappointed. I think um, tough to take at the moment. I thought the lads played very, very, very well in that first half, and I thought we were we were good value. We wanted to qualify for the Champions League, yeah, for sure. I think that was very much our intention before the game and and in game. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure in that moment you can take that will away from the players. And if you look at the goals, we can see that they've come from mistakes that um, can happen in any moment, whether you're being proactive or reactive. Um, so, I, yeah, of course, I take ownership of that, but. I'd much rather have the intention to go and attack and to try and win rather than the other way around. Oh, I feel for him, but he's got to front up. He's got to do it. How should it be viewed, Simon? Uh, Is it a plucky return uh, in the group of death or a a damp squib? Well, I'm in the camp of a good fight is not one you put up, it's one you win, right? And ultimately, Newcastle will look at this as an opportunity that they could have taken. They started it very well. And, you know, you get a result away to Milan in drawing the first game. You beat PSG. I mean, you spank PSG. And like I mean, I've said in a couple of occasions, Robert Lee talked about where we're in good group, group. But this was like the grain of sand was PSV when they beat Barcelona 20 years ago. And it's proven to be thus. They can consider themselves unlucky, 
unlucky. I think they can consider unlucky. Sam in one win from six. Yeah, but look at the manner in which these results have gone against them and for them in 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 different ways. You know, you look at the outcome against Dortmund at home, where there was a full expectation, and maybe that's the game that was the pivotal game because they lose that first game in the group against Dortmund when everyone thinks they're going to do Dortmund at St James's Park. That sets off a, a hair running that isn't quite the initial one that the, all the euphoria after the Milan game and the PSG game. I think you look at the result in Paris and you think, wow, the kind of decisions that were made at the end of that game, we live and die by decisions and we're the first people to support True. referees and decision-making processes. True. But yeah. there was there was unlucky. They hit the bar against Dortmund in the last minute of the game. That could have been one all. Um, and I think that I'm not making excuses for them. They had an opportunity. I think there's an element of they stole defeat from the jaws of victory. But people said this was the group of death. I think it's not reflective of their performance for the statistical evaluation to be bottom of the group. That's the facts. Okay, right? okay. Facts, sentiment. Yeah, but, but you I and I both were, know we're I talking about, about the richest club in the world now. Well, Saudi owned well, and not in Europe. Yeah, the richest club in the world because of their owners, not because of their playing squad, not because of what they spent. So we have to get this right. They aren't the rich. Man City have turned over 600, 700 million quid. We're talking about the richest owners. And if they don't deploy that wealth, and they're deploying it at this moment in time in a measured fashion. They, you know, they spent 150 million per transfer window. United and Arsenal and others around them are spending 200, 250 million from a far stronger base. I, I, I don't want to be too heavy in Newcastle because I like them. I'm a great admirer of Eddie Howe. But you remember after the Carabao Cup defeat uh, to Manchester United in February at Wembley, I spoke briefly to the chairman, uh, the Saudi chairman. I said, "What now? What now? Well, we're already at the next level." Yeah. Maybe they have to pause to think if they actually are. Um, I know they've dipped a toe in Champions League water. Now they've come out. The Saudis didn't buy this club to drop out at the first attempt. No, no, they didn't. And 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 you would look at they'll look at the margins, and the margins were small at times between qualifying out of the group. Besides, between getting third spot and playing in the Europa League, were very small. And so they'll look at it and go, "What gap am I managing? How big is the gap? I've stepped into a into a gap into the breach. We went." And it wasn't that wide. There were small margins. And so I look at it and say, look, we make this description of them and it's a it's a, it's a it's a rod to beat them with, which is the richest club in the world. They're not the richest club in the world. They have the richest owners. And so that potentially means that when they do deploy their wealth at a level which is beyond that of others, then we can start making that observation that, hang on a second, you're not punching your weight. Yeah. They finished uh, where they finished last year. They, they've gone into the Champions League. They've missed it by margins. And it's small margins. Um, disappointingly, as a result of the way that group shaped up, they finished bottom. This isn't, bo- I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? We've got four teams in the Champions League, two finished top and two finished bottom. You've got one, both ends of the spectrum, haven't you? You win two, two teams win the group in 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 Arsenal and Man City, and two teams finish bottom of their group, Manchester United and Newcastle. Yeah, and there's the polar opposites of our participation in the elite end of Champions League football. I think Newcastle are all right. I know you're cutting them a bit. Slack I know this that morning. my kiss of death is about as welcome as a French kiss at a family gra- gathering. But <laughs> but the point is the point is is that I think Newcastle have got a lot more yeah. to be comfortable with all right. than uncomfortable. I mean, do you expect them to be in the Champions League next season? Here we are now, no, mid-December no, ex- mid- the 7th. I don't expect them to be. I think it will be, as I said at the beginning of the season, quite a significant achievement for them to maintain the position that they did last year. I know that everyone's plotting their pathway and plotting their successes, but you also have to look at the, the ascent of Manchester City and when their money arrived, and their money arrived in 2008. I don't think they set the world hugely alight 
instantaneously. Yeah. So I, I think there's more to be more. They, they, they've built a platform now. How solid that platform is 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 we'll see over the ensuing weeks and months because their focus now is cups and. Mm. Um, the Premier League. I mean, I'm looking at some of the messages coming in, and and the, the, largely the mood is one of surprise that you you are being pretty kind to them this morning to Newcastle and Portsmouth. Simon, this has been the longest honeymoon period ever. Newcastle, the richest club in the are uh, in the world, and they are, but still getting treated like underdogs. Last night's TV Listen. commentary was almost laughable. Please start judging this club properly. No, hold on a second. Let's have it right. I mean, Man City became the richest club in the world in 2008, by mm. definition, and I don't think they went off and won the Champions League and the Premier League instantaneously, did they? Well, here's another one. Steve, Newcastle fan. Great show. I love it, guys. But do you think Newcastle would have finished bottom in Manchester United's group? No. Different no. group. All right. I mean, but they, had, they had Galatasaray and, and Copenhagen. Mm. You had Dortmund, Milan and Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, we're not talking about a bunch of football minnows there. I mean, Man United's failure is an abject, miserable, pitiful failure. Well, you see, and in the process of you saying that, is it right to hold the likes of Manchester United to do a higher standard and scrutiny for their European exit? Well, of course it is. I mean, Manchester United have been spending two... We've just had the numbers. Man United have spent 1.7 billion over 10 years. So they've been spending that money for 10 years. Newcastle have been um, treading water under Mike Ashley in terms of what they're prepared to invest in a football club because he wanted to run it economically, which, by the way, I don't disagree with. But in terms of where they are now, why don't, you, why don't they turn their ira onto the, the, the failure for these, of these Saudis to put proper money in this football club? Failure of the Saudis? Well, of course not. I'm being ironic. I mean, they've put, they've put, the bottom line is, is how much do you expect them to spend? Yeah. So Newcastle have, have spent £150 million pounds for the last two seasons to give themselves an opportunity to build a proper platform. It is others that are labelling on them with the expectation. Of course they're going to get to the promised land at some point. At otherwise, some point. Otherwise, what is the purpose of the Saudis? But I didn't think it was going to happen instantaneously. I didn't think Newcastle were all of a sudden going to turn lights on, camera action, boom, here comes the Premier League, and here comes the Champions League. I think they've done all right. But did you think they'd be out of Europe altogether not after the, Christmas? Not with the way they started, no. Not with the games against Milan and Paris Saint-Germain. Who did? When, no. you, when you when you smashed Paris Saint-Germain at St. James's Park in the manner that you did, you would have expected to have got a a point out of Dortmund. Yeah. A point out of Dortmund. They're at least that, ahead of Steamer. And they didn't. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. How should Newcastle United be viewed? We're just about to turn the, the end of the year into the new year and they're out of Europe altogether. I know it made headline news when they were Champions League. They got into the Champions League because they pulled up trees last season. But now, were they expected to fail? And it is a failure. It is a failure at this particular point in the proceedings. Phil's a Forest fan who feels he has to come to the defence of Newcastle this morning. Jim, stop trying to mix it up here. Uh, Newcastle are miles ahead of schedule. Um, they're, go they're going really, really well. They've enjoyed a taste of things to come and more will follow. Well done, the tune, says Phil, the Forest fan. Richard is a Newcastle fan. Richard, good morning. You were at the game. You must have thought when Joe Linton put you ahead, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it here. And then it didn't work out. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Jim. I, I did think that, that stupidly. I, I forgot about my uh, lifetime of experience supporting Newcastle. <laughs> so uh, I got myself all uh, excited and all carried away and planning yeah. the next uh, trip to Madrid or whatever. I thought I thought we actually played very well. And I, and I thought on the basis of all the games, 
Uh, I thought we gave it a go. It's been a great experience. I think our fans have loved it. Uh, the trip to Dortmund will live uh, long, long, long in the memory. In the memory. Mm. And if you look at the uh, PSG away game, there was a, a very good referee who had a very good game. Who played a, a very long time of uh, injury time and made a very bad decision at the end of it. But for that, we could have been through. But that's football. Uh, so you're on. taking it on the chin. But Richard, when you got Champions League football, did you honestly think mid-December you're going to be saying, well, that was great, wasn't it? But now we're out. I, d- I did, Jim, yeah. As soon as I saw the group, I thought, I hope we don't embarrass ourselves. And I don't think we did embarrass ourselves. And when we talk about the, the richest club in the world, it's a facade, really. We've seen the Live Golf, uh, allegedly, off of John Ram, £450 million. <laughs> pound this year or dollars or whatever it was yeah. we can't access that we're hamstrung by financial fair play we've repeatedly said that we're going to uh, stick to uh, fair play so what else can we do uh, we've got to be realistic it'll be slowly slowly building block by building block uh, and you guys in the media are uh, frequently quoting Amanda Stavely we're going to win this we're going to win that we're going to she <laughs> said that in the emotion of a defeat you know she did and, and she said that to J everybody up from the disappointment of the Man United. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, Richard. And say, she said that to me after the Carabao Cup final defeat at Wembley. But do you not think she believes it? I, well, I think it, if it's going to come, I think it's going to take a very long Take time. a while. And I, I think most sensible fans don't get carried away with with that. We're just we're pleased with the way it's going. We're pleased how, how our team tries and performs. We've, we've been very unlucky with injuries yeah. Yeah. Like we're massively and this is going to take time and uh, I was enough. proud of the way we went I listened to Talk Sport yesterday uh, a lot of the Man United fans were saying we went out without a fight without a, a, wimp, uh, a resignation and, and, and the defeat I don't think that you could level that at us I thought we had a real go maybe a little bit naive in a couple of games uh, but we had a go we went out on the shield Oh, what a good call. Listen, Richard, thank you for that. Thanks for your time. I thought it was a really good call, actually, Simon. Yeah, but you can't give... I mean, Amanda Stavis is in a position of influence. You know, we can all turn around and be emotive about some, about something, but the, you, irrespective of whether you've lost a cup a final, you don't sit there and say, we're going to win the Champions League, we're going to win the Premier League, because you're, it's not, you're not quoting somebody, you're playing back what they said. Yes. It's not quoting, you're giving an opportunity for them to say... So I don't, I don't think it's wise for her to have said what she said. Uh, I think if she's if they're going to deliver it, then okay, it's a call to action. If she's going to put in place, or and by the way, Newcastle's obligations upon financial fair play will be far more less onerous than some of the other football clubs because don't forget they had this miserable Scrooge-like ownership that never put any money in the football club that managed it economically. So they go into a new ownership model, not carrying big losses, not carrying big debts, not carrying a huge amount of problems in terms of ultimately a football club that's been losing money. So they can afford to turn the lights on. They can afford to spend £250 million on transfer fees and still find themselves within the confines of financial... Do you not think that, they'll do that not in that January? Not that I'm suggesting they should do. Do you think they'll spend a bunch of money in January? Um, depends what they need in terms of injuries. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon, you, you might remember, if I take your way back to the Women's World Cup, yep. um, it seems like a long time ago now, and that's because it pretty much was. Uh, Lauren James of England. Uh, Good player. Yeah, she was the subject of much online abuse uh, after she was uh, sent off in England's round of 16 match against Nigeria. Um Poor Lauren came in for some dreadful abuse in and around that time after getting a red card and, of course, was deemed to have, in the process, weakened her own team. At the weekend there, what do you know, something similar, but this time it went unpunished. Um, she got into a bit of trouble for stamping on Leah Walty's foot in Sunday's 4-1 league defeat at home to Arsenal. A huge, a huge attendance at that match, but this time no trouble for Lorne in terms of a card, but she suffered considerable abuse yet again on social media. Now, we spoke to Emma Hayes, who gave us her view of events on this, and we put it to her that is Lauren James being singled out here in one way or another? I think it's disgusting, the amount of abuse she's received from the public, from the media, from the press. We're talking about a young player here that no question is always working to learn in the background, bits and bobs, but some of the language I've seen used to vilify her externally... I think is unacceptable. Um, I don't. See, I don't see the same level of abuse attributed to other players in the league, who might have um, have had their own challenging moments. And I think it's fair to say that if I'm in her position, I'd be thinking that there is racial profiling going on. She's not in a great great place, if I'm honest. I think. When it starts from broadcasting and the way they speak about things that maybe they need to reflect on, you know, labelling players. Of course, every opponent tries everything possible to get Lauren red carded. That's been clear in every game we've played. And she has to learn to handle that. Managing emotions comes with maturity and that isn't there yet with her. But I, as I, I say, it reminds me very much of David Beckham in many ways when he got red carded uh, in the World Cup. I think the treatment of Lauren sometimes is very similar. Some of the nasty language and labelling and name calling, uh, I think, has, goes over the edge, to be honest with you. And then you add racism to that for her. You can understand why her mental health is not the very best place this week. 
That was Emma Hayes on some of the abuse that Lauren James is taking at the moment on social media. Um, football expert here at TalkSport, Leanne Sanderson, joins us live. Leanne, good morning to you. Um, where do you stand on this? You heard Emma Hayes saying a variety of things there that maybe she needs to learn. Lauren James is still young. But also she adds that um, if I was in her position, I'd be thinking there's some racial profiling going on here. Leanne, has she been singled out? Um, first of all, morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, I wish we were going to be talking about something a bit more positive. But obviously, it's the nature of the beast. I think with Lauren James, I think personally, there's a lot of other players that, you know, in the men's game, right? Look at the weekend with Romero, who makes that tackle. And there's certain players that are known for doing certain things. In the women's game, I feel like if we do it, it's almost seen as this, oh, my God, it's a woman. Shouldn't be doing that. I don't think it was that big of a deal. I think Emma Hayes is smart. She's one of the best coaches I've ever played under. She knows what she's talking about. I think for me, us at TalkSport, we always talk about Lauren James in the highest regard. Now at the World Cup, she made that mistake. We critiqued, critiqued it there and then and we move on. So, you know, against Nigeria, she didn't need me to tell her she made that mistake. But I think right now, when you look at the social media, that's a whole other entire routine itself. You know, you've only got to look at my social media after I come off air with you guys. It's every single morning, every single day. So it's just the way it is. And I, I'm not sure what will ever change that, but... I think it's not until people physically see the abuse that people get visibly. I think that's when people wake up and realise how much this can affect your mental health because I often talk about it, but it's not until I put out some of my messages that I receive that people then finally realise, actually, she's not talking rubbish. This actually is a reality. Yeah, I noticed, Leanne, that before I go to Simon on this, Emma Hayes is also saying uh, that there is abuse coming our way um, from the public, the media... And the press, the media and the press, that's, that's us. Do you recognise that? Yeah. No, I think I don't think it's generally speaking about us necessarily at TalkSport. She's obviously seen something that's made her say that because Emma doesn't just say things and pull things out of nowhere. So I don't think it's necessarily an attack on us specifically, but maybe there are people. I mean, I saw some of the things that people have written after the game the other day, and I think to myself, you know, you look at players, like there's certain players like Mary Earth, the camera pants to every time she makes a save. Usually she is swearing, which is, you know, whatever. You're playing in the middle of a game. Jill Scott last summer went viral because she called, you know, one of the players something that people thought was quite funny. I think if Lauren James did that, I think it'd be a different story. So really? To prove so one she, of so she point, is being singled out then, in your view? Absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, it happens to us. It's happened to me, it happens to us. It, it's the reality. But I will say there are some people that are critiquing Lauren James as they, you know, suffice to say it. That's the reality. But there are some people deep down that I think are looking to, you know, come after her. And a lot of it right. is to do with jealousy. A lot of it is to do with the fact that her brother's captain of Chelsea. There's a lot of factors here. You know, I don't know the answers to all of them. But all I know is when we're doing it at TalkSport, when we're doing the games, we critique it and they know that. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Uh, in the meantime, attention beginning to be directed in a much more focused way uh, towards December the 23rd. An incredible bill of boxing over in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And one of the fights comes into vogue right now because Joseph Parker has the unenviable task, former world champion indeed, Joseph Parker, the unenviable 
impossible task of going in against uh, the big punching Deontay Wilder. How is that going to work out? Spencer, in the last few moments, caught up with Joseph Parker, who's the first of the boxers to get to Riyadh. He's just touched down over in Saudi Arabia and he's getting used to life out there. He's had a look at where he's staying, he's had a look at the place and he's getting the vibe of uh, Riyadh. Spence said to him, what do you think about this place and where you're at? The weather's not as warm as it was back in October when we were here for the for the last event and the last fight. And uh, because we'll be fighting late at night, we're trying to adjust everything according to, to fight time. You know, usually back in England, I'll be waking up at 7 o'clock, breakfast at 7.30, whereas now waking up at midday, breakfast at 1 p.m., train at 3 p.m., lunch at 5, and it just carries on, and then we're training at 1 a.m. So it's, it's a lot different, but I think it's important to train the time that you fight, and that's the time that you're going to be performing. I mean, tell us about the setup out there, you know, the training schedules, etc. I mean, you've got a lot of you guys out there, a lot of heavyweights out there. Is there a is there a routine for the training? Do you all use gym at the same time or is there allocated times for the gym? Um, I'm not sure that there's a lot of fighters here, even you know, leading into the fight. I, I think I'm probably one of the first ones to get out here. We got the gym to ourselves. We're using the, the Mike Tyson gym, which is awesome. It's got everything you... It's got rings, it's got bags, it's got speed, everything. Everything that you need and you want. And the gym is shut down um, at the time that we're training. So we're very thankful to to them who have organized for us to use this gym. I mean, Joe, I want to talk about the promo. That promo, and I saw that you posted it actually on your Instagram. I mean, that is insane, isn't it? Like, have you ever, ever seen or been involved in anything like that before? You know what? I've never been involved... Just like boxing my whole life, I've never seen anything like this. And now, like, uh, you know, we were, when we went to shoot the ad and the promo video, it was like, uh, you know, makeup and then like, you had to do so many takes. And it was, uh, I think it was a great experience. And like, you can see the outcome of the promo. It's, uh, it's probably one, it's one of the best I've seen. I mean, let's talk about your fight with Deontay Wilder, December the 23rd. Huge opportunity for you, Joe. It really is. You go in as the underdog, but a huge opportunity. It's a great opportunity. You know, in, in boxing, you want to be involved in the biggest and the best fights. And, and the only way to get to the right at the top to fight for a title, fight for a world title, is to fight the best fights out there. I've been busy this year, and the level of opposition hasn't been the same as Wilder. But keeping busy, I was able to progress, and I was able to get that, that, that ring time. And now, I, I listen, I'm really much pumped for this fight with Deontay Wilder. Really much looking forward to it. Sure. I mean, you've boxed three times this year. Like you say, it's vitally important, you know, for a, for a heavyweight to stay active like that. Deontay Wilder, on the other, uh, other hand, has only boxed once in the last two years since the Tyson Fury defeats. And that was against Hellenius, a first-round KO. How important is that for a fighter to be active or inactive? I, listen, I feel it's very important to be active because you're always working. You're always progressing. You're always getting better. You're working on your ring craft, technique, skills, and you're able to, um, you, know, you know, you're not trying to get in shape because you're already in shape. I think of Wada, with him having that long time off, we'll soon see <laughs> if he has that thing called ring rust, which I know a lot of fighters do have when they, when they haven't fought for a long time. Someone that knows Deontay Wilder very well, Tyson Fury, he's boxed him a few times. You obviously train up there with Fury. Has he give you any tips on his strengths, his weaknesses, how to beat him? Tyson was able to give me some advice and, and some some knowledge on fighting Deontay Wilder. The only difference is I'm not six foot nine with the longest reach. So whatever my strengths, I have to use it to to the best of my ability, you know. And uh, he has given me a few pointers and he's given me advice and he's actually helped me with sparring. So 
every time I have needed Tyson's help, he's always been there. So I like, listen, thanks to him for always making time to help me, and especially for this camp and this fight coming up. Sure. I mean, listen, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia are investing massively in heavyweight boxing. On this, on that same card, we've got Anthony Joshua versus Otto Wallin. Who do you fancy in that one, Joe? Wallin's a potential banana skin. It's a you know, it's a it's a risky fight for Joshua, but a fight obviously he has to take, you know, with what's what's planned for the future. I think it's a risky fight. I think Wallen's come off a, a good win. And he's always uh he's one of them fighters who's been looking for these big fights. You know, and now that he's locked in this big fight, this is a big chance. You know, Joshua's a massive name. And I think with Joshua, he has to come in and I, I think uh coming off a few fights with with Yusuk, um, he's you know, he's he he'll be well more prepared for the Southpaw that Otto's gonna bring. And as I said, as I said to you, Joe, you know, there's been talk of like March the 9th, Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder, etc. You're there to tear up the script. You're there to do your job. If Otto Wallin beats Joshua or you beat Deontay Wilder, just so the fans know, does that mean the winner boxes the winner? Is that where we're at? Listen, I, I would think so. Look, if they're trying to lock in the, the Joshua and Wilder fight, I guess, you know, if, if, if Wallin wins or if I win, it'll, be, it'll change the whole script of what they're trying to set up. Joseph Parker, tell us, how does the fight go, mate? How do you tear up the script? How do you tear up the plans for Deontay? If I'm going to go on there, like I said, I'm going to be like with the supreme confidence. And I've done the work, I'm in shape, and I'm ready to go. And I'm going to be very calculated. There's no wasteful punches. I'm going to be deliberate. I'm going to make him miss, and I'm going to make him pay. That's what I'm going to do. Joseph Parker speaking to Aaron Spencer Oliver. Uh, Parker just arrived in Riyadh and getting ready and prepared to go in against Deontay Wilder. Many messages coming in, Spencer. There's Rob. If Joe Joyce can land on Parker's chin, what do you think Wilder will be able to do? It will be a devastating KO. I mean, can you see any way that Parker can do anything against Wilder? Look, Parker's got a great team behind him. Andy Lee's a great tactician, great trainer, and they will come up with a game plan, but it's... it's the, the million-dollar question is, can he stay out of the way of Deontay Wilder's right hand for three minutes of each round over 12 rounds? He's got to stay focused. You know, we saw, I think we saw it last time against Simon Keane. He was getting hit with right hands. That is a shot he's susceptible to. So he's got to work on that because with Deontay, as we know, you know, he's probably one of the biggest punches in boxing history. And if he lands that shot... It's curtains, so you know he's gonna he's gonna have to be focused, and and that is the main focus, staying away from Deontay's right hand. The world's most dangerous download, outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. I mentioned that three would become four from twelve thirty onwards. We're talking boxing, and the fourth member has just joined us here. And for those of you who think of big fights and think of Sky Sports, there's really only one voice, isn't there? himself towards superstardom. 
The voice is unmistakable, isn't it? He headed up Sky's boxing coverage for many years, known as the voice of boxing, quite rightly, but then stepped away from uh, the ring and put his microphone down because poor old Adam Smith had a fight in his hands. He had a cancer battle. I'm delighted to say that Adam is well enough to join us today nice here to in the you. studio at TalkSport. Good afternoon. First things first, quite obviously. How are you? Oh, first, it's great to see all of you, Simon, yourself, Spencer. It's uh, It's been a long road, Jim. It's been a brutal year. Um, it's been tough. It's been uh, life-changing. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be alive, uh, back with my family and... Um, Every day is precious for me now. I'm I'm cancer free, which is the great news. But it was a it was a tough journey. I had um, three and a half, four months in four different hospitals, and then I went into chemo. It was uh, it was rough. Um, but you know, I guess I've never fought in the ring. But I had to uh, I had to dig pretty deep at times. Um, but I've got three beautiful children, and I'm back with them. And I feel like I've been given a second opportunity at life. Um, I had a wonderful time at, at Sky, 29 years. It was uh, brilliant. Uh, Spencer was with me for a lot of it. You were there, Jim, for, for much of it too. And uh, some magical memories, some incredible opportunities, some phenomenal fight nights, um, a few years at the darts as well. Looking forward to going back up to <laughs> Ali Pally yeah. uh, to watch it next week. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and, and, and mentoring Savannah Marshall and Daniel Altmaier as well. I enjoyed that side of it and I really would like to give back to, to athletes going forward too. So yeah, Sky was fantastic. I just, uh, I think it's the right time though to uh, explore up other opportunities. Obviously, uh, my health is uh, and my family are the most important thing, but uh, I'm, I reckon I'm 90% or something, Jim. I'm walking around a lot. I couldn't walk three or four months ago it was 50 yards at a time it was it was really tough and uh yeah there's a lifestyle change but it's uh, it's a change that's made me calmer made me uh, appreciate life more and uh enjoying watching sport from a distance but uh keen to get back now adam you say you know it has been a horrendous battle with you you know i've been in touch with you through that through that process as well and, and you know you really have been you really have been through it thankfully you have made that recovery you know, we talk about the history of you involved in boxing over 30 years. And we've been on many journeys before and covered all the top fights. It didn't take you long to get back there, did it? Because, I mean, I literally saw you, you know, you'd been given the all clear. And I literally saw you in Manchester at another fight. I mean, weeks, literally weeks after you got out of hospital. I mean, you struggle to get away from the sport of boxing, don't you? I think you do. I think I think boxing's in us, isn't it? And uh, always has been. I, you know, I first walked into the Sky Studios in 1994, but I'd worked with Evander Holyfield before in, in, in the States. And, you know, I grew up on Barry McGuigan and Tommy Hearns was my hero. And look, I love all sports, as you know. I love football, cricket, darts, tennis, the lot. But, but boxing, there is something about it that's special. I love the fighters. I love you guys more than anything. I respect everybody that gets in the ring at every level. And uh, I've really enjoyed the journeys with Prince Nassim, Mohammed, Ricky Hatton, Carl Frotch, Joe Calzaghe, David Hay, obviously AJ and, and and so many others and of course you know launching women's boxing as well through Katie Taylor and, and Terry Harper, Chantel Cameron, uh, Savannah obviously, Tasha, it's, it was a uh, it was brilliant, and and I think yeah, I, I've 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 watched fights obviously while I've been away. I've watched a lot of sport, but um, I've also you know been concentrating on just getting mm. getting back to getting fitness. Well. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd never been ill before this. Sure. I'd, I'd yeah. um, you know I'd, every day I was I was you know working and, and and enjoying the boxing world. But I think that. Uh, 
But the break, you know, it was it was pushed on me, but I think it was also needed. And um, I feel even though I've gone through uh, through a really really hard battle, um, I feel in a way it's given me a, a, a peace, a calmness. And as I said, every day is precious. Now I have a new lease of life. I'm ready for different opportunities. I want to give back. I want to help sportsmen and women as much as possible. And uh, yeah, I love it. And uh, I've, of course, I've missed it. It's uh, it's, uh, mm. it's it's in you, isn't it? I'm so glad, Adam. You said yes. To, to me the other day when I when I gave you a call. This fellow is the voice of boxing, isn't he, Sam? Oh, I think so. I think so. Over the years that I've listened to him and also watched him and watched the interviews that, and the way that he used to hold the show together with Johnny Nelson on ringside and the, and the dynamics of that and the people that they had in there, the intriguing shows when you have George Groves and mm. Jamie DeGale that can't bear the sight of one another <laughs> or you've got Tyson Fury in the green room and you've got David Hay sitting on, mm. a, on a bench with Mick Hennessy. And I always felt that, that Adam's insight and outlook and disposition was so intriguing and I'm, you know me I'm not the greatest admirers of journalists and presenters but I always wanted to listen to him and every time I listened to a fight and he was commentating on it you know I love people like Hugh McIlvenny I think they're great boxing writers and great observers of life and he has all of that alongside this you know this ability to turn the conceptualization of this book into something that you want to look at and read and it's intriguing because he's <laughs> taking you on a journey inside the you know the intrigue of a fight when you're watching it or when you're watching the whole dynamics of talking to fighters and getting inside them. So I'm, I for one, I'm a huge admirer of his. Yeah, Niall, and he knows it anyway. Nile in Liverpool, um, one of many uh, sending messages this lunchtime, Adam. I hope this f- makes you feel more relaxed as we go along in the final half hour today. Jim, for me, Adam's simply the voice of boxing. He's one of those people when he talks, the room falls silent. Uh, there's another one Adam I am so pleased to be listening to TalkSport this lunch I'm so pleased that you're okay get back on the mic Pete up in Liverpool Jim you've got to read this out Adam it's great to have you back in boxing you have been sorely missed now that you're back to full health when are we going to hear from you again people are going to say that to you now Adam when you're out there in the street they talk to me about him every time I leave this building you're going to get this Adam when are you going to be back doing what you're brilliant at What's well, a big question, and, and I, I I went to the Manchester show, actually. It was mm-hmm. a KSI one. I mean, what I yeah. want to go back to, KSI and Tommy Fury, but I went because my <laughs> daughter likes Tommy Fury, so we went along, and it was it was great. And why it was, not? Uh, why mm. not? It was 20,000 people packed in. They all had a fantastic time. Um, so that was that was the first one I went back to. But really, it was Dublin. It was Katie Taylor. She's, uh, she's my friend. She's our friend. Um, <clears throat> we've been on a holiday together. We know Katie, you know, going way, way back. And so I really went to, to support her. I couldn't get to the the first Chantel Cameron uh, fight I was in hospital and obviously she lost so I wanted to be there for the rematch I think Chantel's a wonderful fighter I've got huge respect for both of them but you know I went as a friend of Katie's and 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 it was great to see Eddie and everybody and uh, had a lovely sort of warm reception at, at ringside it was Good. fantastic Stevie Collins was there and, yeah. and Andy Lee and some of the some of the great fighters uh, from Ireland I love Ireland so it was a good one to go to and it was a great fight and I did a little interview for the zone and and I Look, I'm, I'm I'm having a think, guys. You know, I um, I need to sort of look at, at what I really want to do. Um, I love the sort of mentoring side of of bringing up Savannah and, and bringing Dan Altmaier through in tennis. He's now in the top 50 in the world. And, and I, I like working with, I've loved working with, you know, whether it's a Spencer or Ricky Hatton, a, a Carl Froch or George Groves, you know, whoever it is. And also going out to, to the States and, you know, working with the likes yeah. of, I don't know, Miguel Cotto and Oscar De La Hoya, Roy Jones, all the greats. And it, it, <laughs> it's just getting to know them and their families and their backgrounds. And I love all that. So right. well, you I'd need like to make do with us today. Yeah, you go. And I love you guys. <laughs> and it's, it's nice to be back. So I'd like to give something back after the sort of journey I've been on but 
the same time, I, I, I would love to get back behind the mic. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We're talking boxing, and we're in decent company, to say the least of it. Simon and myself, alongside Spencer Oliver, and the voice of boxing, former Sky Sports commentator Adam Smith is in the studio and we are thrilled about that so many questions to put to Adam in the final few minutes that we have in his company are we ever going to see Ben against Eubank Jr what are we going to see on December the 23rd in Riyadh uh, when uh, Wilder will fight Parker when AJ will fight Otto Wallen in fact on that one AJ against Wallen what does Deontay Wilder think of that matchup? I mean, I, I, I like that fight between those two guys and, um, you know, made the best man win when he come out. You know, I'm looking – I think Joshua's going to – I think I I see him um, um, winning the fight, you know, if he, if his mind is in the right place. You know, if he come in there with, with, with self-confidence in himself and um, the willing to win and, and the motion to, to go and do what he got to do, get the job done. I see him winning that fight. But if he if he go in there thinking about what's next, especially when it pertaining to me or any other thing outside of that, then you know, he might be finding himself in some 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 big trouble. You know, and um but you know, on the day of the fight we're going to find out, you know, but I do have him winning that fight and uh hopefully hopefully, you know, you know, everything serves his purpose right that he do come out and win and 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 once that happened, I come out with the win. He come out with the win. Great things happening after that. That's for sure. So uh, you know, um, one step first. He got to handle his job, and I handle my business. And uh, then we make business happen together. You can watch the full interview with Wilder on the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel. December the 23rd, as part of Riyadh season, Day of Reckoning will be available live at the Zone and TNT Sports Box Office. For info on how to watch, visit www.dayofreckoning.co.uk. Adam Smith with Spencer, Simon and myself. Adam, what's your, what's your take on it all? What, what, when you heard the lineup on December the 23rd, what did you think? I went to the press conference, that's what I thought. I wanted to see Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn together. It's uh, it's an incredible event, isn't it? It's phenomenal that's been put together. Um, the Saudis have come in, and uh, yeah, what a lineup. And just hearing the Bronze Bombers' voice there, it just brings something back. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite emotional, actually. Um, he's got a spot on. Otto Wallin's a dangerous fight for AJ. If AJ's not right, okay, he's gone with Ben Davidson. I think's an excellent trainer. Uh, and Anthony's, you know, he's got a couple of wins now. He's got his confidence back and he needs to go in there and really make a statement, I think, because if he's thinking anything like Deontay Wilder, I'm here in March the 9th, I think that will be uh, a massive fight, obviously, for next year and something the sport badly needs. Um, but AJ's got to keep his uh, his eye on Wallin. He's not great against Southpaws. He got stopped in the amateurs. He's obviously had that the world title win against Charles Martin, but two defeats against Alexander Usyk. And Wallin's not in that league, of course. But he's a he's a he's a lovely guy actually. Also, Wallen, and he's a good fighter. And if mm. he gets in a rhythm, it could be tricky. But I, I fancy AJ. To what, what do you think of AJ's journey? If you like, Simon and I and Spencer have often spoken about this. To where he was when you were commentating earlier mm. on, lift off for AJ. Yeah. To where he is now. 
Yeah, I think that was maybe that was his night against Vladimir Klitschko, 90,000 at Wembley. It, it made me think a, a couple of years after that, Ricky Hatton against Costa Sue, that being his night. And, you know, how many more big nights, big wins will AJ have? And he's still got to fight Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. So let's see. He's really competitive. He so wants to continue being a, a fantastic fighter, Joshua. And, and, and he works really, really hard. I'm looking forward to seeing him against Otto Wallin. If he gets Wallin out the way and, and Deontay deals with Joseph Parker, then they meet in March. And let's see, that's a fight we're all going to be tuning in for. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.